Good to see you. <laughs> Glad that you are here. Christmas uh, is this week. I am so excited for what I'm getting for Christmas. <laughs> um, do you know what you're getting for? Do, do you know what you're getting for Christmas? Yes. Do you not know what you're getting for Christmas? You don't know. That's scary. I can't live that life. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know <laughs> what it is. And um, <clears throat> Becky does too, but she doesn't know exactly what she's getting, but it'll be okay. You ready for it? Sure. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? No, but this week, um, wow, this is a big week for us, isn't it? As Christians, uh, this is the, one of the weeks of our year we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have been talking about it this week, or this, uh, this month, excuse me, December, called Love Came Down. This is part three. We have part one, part two. We talked about John the Baptist when he was born, prepared the way for our Savior. Last week we talked about Gabriel and when he talked to Mary and Joseph. And so we're looking at part number three of Love Came Down. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had someone against you? Okay? So, like, you uh, poured into their life and you loved someone and then they returned it with apathy or disgust or whatever, and and so you say, well, of course I have, Pastor Adam, I have children. Um, (laughs) But you've had had someone against you, okay? You've had uh, everything you've tried. Like, you've tried to be good to them, and then maybe you don't want to be good to them anymore because they have been against you. Um, Maybe, how about this, how about has everyone, uh, someone, someone has rejected you? Anybody? Someone has rejected you. How many times did you have to propose to your wife to get her to say yes? How many? Did it take a couple of times? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but have you ever had someone reject you? Okay, so someone has been against you. Someone has rejected you. It's not a very good feeling, is it? It's not a very good feeling when you feel like that someone is, is taking time out of their day to come against you or to make sure that you fail. It seems like that they that they, uh, wait, they stay up at night, coming up with reasons to come against you. Uh, they're planning and they're plotting and all this stuff. Um, yeah, we've, we've felt that way, and it doesn't feel very good. To have someone against us, to have someone reject us. Believe it or not, the Lord feel has, if the Lord feels the way that we feel, which I'm not sure he does, but he's felt that as well. Because what happened is, all the way back in creation, he made this perfect world for Adam and Eve, and what, did they, and what did they do? No, not good enough. We want to try this one thing. There was one rule. We want to do this one rule that you told us not to do. There was rejection. And in that, because of that, sin came into the world, and it started this, this list of rejecting the Lord. It was, oh, you want that kind of sacrifice? Well, I'm going to bring this kind of sacrifice, okay? Or... Um, there was, you want us to do this? Well, Lord, I want to live my life like this over here. Or, uh, you know, God, you know, it, it, you know, thank you for the manna and all this, but, oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. We reject this, okay? Or, um, you know, everybody else has a king, and we know that you are our king, but no, we reject that. We want to have our own king, okay? Or you go through the Old Testament, it was, it was, they followed the Lord, and they were up here on the, on the mountaintop, and then they well, let's start serving other gods, and they come way down here. And then they're like, oh, no, God, we love you again. We love you. And so God brings them back up, and, and he, they reject God again, and they come crashing back down here to the bottom. It was just 
time after time after time, very honestly, of us, humanity, rejecting God. And some of you are like, this is a rough start to a Christmas sermon, okay? <laughs> can, can you just tell the cute story about the baby, please? I mean, that's what we came here for. Well, we have to realize why that baby came. We, had to, we have to realize what it was that happened that, G, that God sent Jesus, his son, down to, earth, down to this earth. And there was a reason for it. Us as humanity rejected God, rejected God, rejected God, and kept rejecting God. But God, in his infinite love, in his infinite love, looked down and didn't just say, well, fine, find your own way to salvation. That's not what he did, is it? He looked down with love and he made a way, even though we kept rejecting him, he made a way for our salvation. That is love. We were lost in a broken world, but love came down and set us free. Amen? We were the ones that made that broken world, partly. We were the ones that brought the sin into the world. We were the ones that continued to sin. We were the ones that continued to know what God wanted us to do, but then we kept going the other direction. And because we kept going in that direction, we became slaves to sin, slaves to our, to our own desires. But it was Christ's love that came down and set us free. Aren't you happy for that? And so he came down as a baby. Let's start off with a verse that many of you know, most of you know, is probably the most popular verse in the Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16. And you know I mean it because I'm reading it in the KJV, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, that's right, I said believeth, <laughs> believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He loved the world so much, he looked down and he saw our actions and he saw the sin in the world. And he said there is no way that them and themselves and their own decisions and their own plight and what's going on that they are ever going to have a way to salvation. And it's their fault. It's not God's fault. It's, their, it's our fault. And there was no way for it. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then whoever believes in him, it's not that we have to get better as a person in ourselves. All we have to do is believe in him. Follow Jesus Christ. And we will not perish spiritually, but we will have an everlasting life with Jesus Christ. That's good news right there. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, Paul says this later. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God looked down on humanity thousands of years before Jesus came. Thousands of years of rejection, going against God, and God looked at us, not with disgust and not with apathy, but he looked at us with love. And so while we were sinners, not when we were good people, this isn't, he didn't die for us when we were good people, when we had those good days, we don't have good days. It's been, boy, 24 hours since I've sinned, I'm doing pretty good, right? But while we were sinners, when we were the worst of the worst, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That is love coming down and setting us free. 
I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for it. So thankful for it. All right, you want to hear the story about the baby? Let's hear the story about the baby, all right? Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn to your Bibles. Luke chapter 2 is going to be on the screen. We've already talked last week about the angel coming, and he visited Mary, and he visited Joseph. He said uh, his name will be Jesus. He will be the Son of the Most High, and he will save their, the people from their sins. And so now here, here it is the day, Luke chapter 2. Uh, the king of the time wanted to have a census, and so everybody had to go to their own homeland, their own city, their own area, so that they could count. We could have a census. And so they're on the road. They're on the road in verse, uh, verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. That's right. Good job. He was born in Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. Once again, fulfilling the prophecy that he would be of the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So here they are. They're on the road. They've got to be counted in the census. And they're on the road, and they're going to Bethlehem. Verse 6. So it was that they were there. The days were completed for her to, for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the moment of our Savior's birth. Oh, to be a, a, a lamb in the stable, or whatever it was, to see this happen. To see that here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the flesh, flesh and blood, right here in front of us, and it happened. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy fulfilled in the Old Testament, and it culminates in this moment right here, when Jesus Christ is born. Laid him in a manger, no room for them in the inn. And of course, later the shepherds come and the wise men come. Part of that was to signify, you've got the shepherds who are coming, you've got the wise men who were there, so it was to tell us that whether you're poor or whether you're rich, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, whoever it is, Christ has come for all of us. So it's not just for the poor, not just for the rich, it's not just for the Jews, not just for the Gentile. The shepherds and the wise men covered all of that. And so that is to signify that he has come for all of us. And when you see that little nativity and you've got Mary and Joseph and you've got the shepherds and you've got the wise men, that signifies that he has come for all of us. He didn't leave anybody out. Every single person who has ever lived on this planet, including you and who is going to live, Jesus Christ died and came for all of us. So maybe you're thinking, did this really even have to happen? Like, why, why did, did Jesus have to come? I mean, he's God. Couldn't he have done, I don't know, anything and saved us from, from uh, eternity away from God? Did this actually have to happen? Well, this tells us a little bit. In, uh, in the New Testament, here in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, it talks about this, and it talks about this in a couple of places. But I'm zeroing in here on Hebrews chapter 2, and it says, Because God's children were human beings, made of flesh and blood, human beings, all of us in this room, you're human being, right? Made of because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. He was God. He, uh, God can't die, okay? God, the Father, God, the Son, they can't die. So he became flesh and blood so that he could die. Does that make sense? So we've got 
as a human being, he became as a human being so that he could die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And don't we do that? We live our life sometimes to the, to the fear of dying. We don't do certain things because we are afraid of dying. We get sick, and so we take medicine. Why? Because there's a fear that if this plays out, that there is possible death at the end of this. So we take medicine to keep that away. When you get to a certain age, you don't ride skateboards anymore, okay? There's a fear of dying, <laughs> all right? And so there are everything, we, that's what we do. We know that we're allotted a certain amount of time on this life. Maybe it's 80 years, maybe it's less, maybe it's more, we don't know. But we are allotted a certain amount of time, and then we die. And we have, some of us, we have this, this fear of this. But when Jesus Christ came, made himself flesh and blood, when he died, he broke the power of the devil who had the power of death over us. He keeps reminding us of our impending doom, if you will, this death. But Jesus broke the power of that. That's why when you hear at funerals, especially of, a, of one who has gone on to heaven, you say, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Because we as Christians understand that there is not just one life. There's life after life, isn't there? We talked about this on Wednesday night. There's life after life. There is no YOLO, okay? Like, you, you live again, okay? There's not just one. You only live once. You keep on going. So when death is over, you keep on going. And there's only two destinations to go, isn't there? There's only two destinations to go. There's heaven, there's hell. And so when Jesus came and he defeated death, hell, and the grave, what happened was he defeated that power that Satan has over us of dying. Because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So when we leave this, and, and, and I understand why we want to hang on, because we want to see our kids grow up and our grandchildren. We want to do some things while we're here on earth. And I understand that to a certain degree. But understand that we have nothing to fear when it comes to death. We've got something on the other side, and it's called heaven. And it's called eternity with God the Father, the one that loved us enough. There is something that happens after death. Amen? And we get this time that we have here on earth allotted, given us so we can serve Christ. So that when it comes time for us to go this way or to go this way, we have lived our life that says we're following Jesus Christ. So he came down and set us free. Verse 17, therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Jesus has become our high priest. So back then, the high priest, he was the, the top high priest, he was the top priest uh, in all of the priesthood, okay? And so once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would come and he would make a sacrifice for all of the Jewish people. And so, yes, there were sacrifices that were done all the time. I want to sacrifice for my sin, a bull and a dove or whatever else. But there was one time a year where the high priest and only the high priest could make a sacrifice for all of the Jewish people. And so he would come and he would make a sacrifice for himself first, make sure that he was good, and then he could go in and he could make it. Jesus became that for us. 
so that he was able to do that. Okay, you say, how does he do that? Okay. All right, I'm going to go, uh, we're going to go off script here, okay? Na- Naomi, hold on. You ready? I'm going to show you this. All right, we're going to go off script. You ready for this? This is not in your notes, okay? Matthew chapter 26. All right, so Jesus is in front of the council. He's in front of Caiaphas, who is the high priest. And he's in front of the council, and they're grilling him, and they're saying, you've blasphemed, and we, we're going to crucify you and all this. And so uh, then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah. Jesus replied, you have said it. Verse 65, then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, blasphemy, we should crucify him. He tore his clothes. Now, you've probably seen that a few times in the Bible. And what that, in, in Judaism, when you tore your clothes, that just meant a sign of mourning uh, for what just happened. But the high priest is not supposed to tear his clothes. Okay? Let me see if I can find this real quick. It's in Leviticus, I believe. All right. Leviticus 21, verse 10. The high priest has the highest rank of all priests. The anointing oil has been poured on his head, and he has been ordained to wear the priestly garments. He must never leave his hair uncombed or tear his clothing. So when the high priest is sitting there in front of Jesus and tears his priestly robes, he is no longer the acting high priest. He can't be. He has sinned. So he cannot make a sacrifice for the sins of the world. But who can? Jesus Christ can. And so Jesus comes in, and he does, he's been anointed with oil. Remember the woman who anointed Jesus before his, before his death? before his death and burial. So he's been anointed with oil. Jesus actually became our high priest. The high priest couldn't do it anymore. Caiaphas couldn't do it anymore. It had to be Jesus. And Jesus didn't come with a bull or a dove or whatever. He laid himself on the altar, didn't he? He became our high priest. And so because he didn't just do a bull or a dove, but he gave himself, it wasn't just for the year of sins, for just the Jewish people. It was for all eternity, for all people. That is incredible. That's what Jesus did for us. And so he became our high priest. That's what he did for us. And he gave his life for us as a sacrifice. Part of the problem is we don't think that we need to be saved. We just think that we need to be helped. Because we're not that bad, right? We're not that bad. I mean, look at that guy. We don't think we need to be saved. We just think we need to be helped. We don't think that we need good news. We just need good advice. You know, I'm just going through a tough patch right now. We don't think that we we need to hear about the wrath of God. We just need five ways to reduce stress. Okay? Let me tell you something. I'm never going to preach a sermon called five ways to reduce stress. Okay? that's That's not the deal. That's not what I'm here to do. First of all, you get stressful trying to remember all five things. Okay? It's, it's one thing, okay? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's one thing. It's not five things. It's Jesus Christ, okay? I'm not here. I don't do this to bring some sort of temporary, selfish, personal anecdotes so that you can make it through Friday, okay? I'm in this to see the power of God change your life and see the power of God change your family's life and your friend's life, Okay? 
People, they look at like murderers and say, now that's a sinner. I just need a little help. No, we all are sinners at the foot of the cross. All of us. All right? Jesus is the only way to salvation. The only way. You're like, I've heard you say that before, Adam. I hear it all the time. Jesus is the only way. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to preach, okay? I'm a one-hit wonder, okay? I'm singing Jesse's Girl, the Macarena. That's all I know. Jesus is the only way to heaven, and that's the only sermon I'm preaching, okay? That's it. Jesus is the only way. It's not our intellectualism. It's not how much money that we have. It's not our goodness. We don't add up our good days, and well, there was more of those days than bad days. We don't add up, we don't look at our righteousness. We look at Jesus for our salvation. And that's it. That's it. That's the only song I'm singing. Verse 18. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are tested. Once again, Jesus was tested in every way. Tempted. He had people that disappointed him. He had people come against him, actually try to kill him. But he was tested in every way so that when we come up with struggles and we have problems, he is there knowing that he has already walked through this life, faced every temptation that we have, faced every, disapp- every disappointment that we have had, and that he is the perfect model for us growing up and growing closer to the Lord. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. Now, you look deeper. And that's the great thing about reading Scripture is because you can keep going deeper and deeper because it doesn't stop there. It's like, and there's more, right? Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to go even deeper a little bit. It says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. We understand that. Everything in in your house, your kids have access to, even though they don't own it, right? You own it, but they have access to it, okay? So, (laughs) okay, it's kind of like when when Olivia was younger, she had this bad habit of slamming her door, okay? You ever had a child slam their door on you? It's not fun. So slam their door. And it, it wasn't always out of anger or, or, you know, teenage, whatever. It was just, she would just slam her door. I said, Olivia, stop slamming your door. Stop it. And so one day it was, she was about, I don't know, eight or nine, something like that. I said, slam your door one more time. See what happens. Slam your door one more, habit, one more time, okay? So what you do? Wham! Slam the door. So I took the door off the hinges, and I put a curtain up. There you go, Okay? See, it was her bedroom door, but it's my door. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's her door, but it's my door. And if you mistreat your door, then I'm taking my door away, okay? <laughs> See what I'm saying? That's what, that, that's what this, this, what this was like. So everything that we have, we have access to, but it's God's, okay? And if we're going to mistreat what God's given us, he's going to take it away from us. Verse 3, and that's the way it was for us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. We were locked in. We had to have sacrifices. We had to do all these things. We were locked into what it was. And so God gave us everything, but he owned it. 
We had access to it, but that was it. Verse 4, we were slaves to it, though. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Now we are his very own. He came down, okay, not just, not just to save us from our sins, which is good enough, by the way, but not just to save us from our sins when we couldn't do it. Then he broke that power, so now we are his very own. So everything that God owns, we own. And we are under God in that. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. There's something inside all of us that wants to cry out, Abba, Father. Something inside all of us. We know that there, there, there is some sort of natural law. Where we, we all, even if we've not taught this, we know that that's not right. There's something not right about that. And that's us crying out, God, tell us how to live. God, tell us what to do. We cry out and we worship you. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You get everything that God has. And one day, we're going to walk on streets of gold. Not pavement with potholes all in it. Okay? Not a, not a gravel road, not a dirt road. We get to walk on streets of gold one day. Pearly gates, all the stuff. Our own mansion, because we are gods. And we get everything that he has. Listen, we were lost in a broken world. But love came down and set us free, didn't he? I'm so grateful for it. He looked at us. We did nothing but reject, reject, and reject God then didn't reject us. What he did was, is he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for us, to bring us salvation. And then he made us his very own. So now we are his. Will you stand with me this morning? Love came down and set us free. Love came down and rescued us. Are you yours? Are you God's this morning? Are you Jesus this morning? I am so grateful and thankful for what he did. You know, there's people here that, that say, you know, why doesn't God rescue us from this world? I mean, God doesn't, doesn't God see what's going on in the world here today? Why doesn't God do anything? And my answer is he did. He did. 2,000 years ago, he came to this earth as a child, grew up, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sins and mine, breaking the power of death, hell, and the grave. And so now, whatever happens to us, we have a day to look forward to in heaven. He did. He broke it all for us. And now he loves us so much. And so I, I want to spend the next couple of minutes here in just praising and thanking God for what he has done. That he came down to set us free. So I, what I want to, I'd like us to do, I'm going to open up these altars. If you want to come down and maybe you just want to, to kneel before the Lord, but we're, we're going to turn this to a worship service here for a few minutes, okay? So don't go anywhere because we're worshiping the Lord. But if you want to come down and you want to kneel and pray and lift your hands, or maybe you want to come talk to me and we, and we can pray together, that's fine. But let's spend the next few minutes lifting up our hands, worshiping the Lord, 
and just saying, thank you, God, for making a way for my salvation. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your voices to the Lord this morning. God, we love you. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of praise, God. You are our deliverer. You are our salvation. You save us with your mighty right hand, God. We thank you, Jesus.